On behalf of Dreamers Empire, we'd like to welcome you to the Recapturing the Future podcast. From computer-driven cars to monorails, from smart houses to floating cities, from spaceports to interstellar travel, in the spirit of the innovative and forward-thinking concepts of the great world's fairs and Walt Disney's experimental prototype community of tomorrow, we cover the technology and exciting concepts of future living. So join us today as we recapture the future. sponsors of the Recapturing the Future podcast is forum software Fusion BB. Fusion BB developers packed Fusion BB with features for both site owners and users to make your community a success right out of the box. Visit us at FusionBB.com. Welcome to Recapturing the Future, episode number three. Tonight we cover part two of a three-part series on Epcot. In the first segment, we looked at the Epcot originally designed in the early 60s, and we talked about the Florida land acquisition. Next episode, we'll look at Epcot in its current state and contrast it with the Epcot originally planned by Walt. Today we're going to talk about the Epcot that opened in 1982 and focus on the Future World Park, which is essentially the front half of Epcot. We'll talk about the style it retained into the 90s and the common style and progression of the attractions. Today we're privileged to have Josh Pettit, owner of FusionBB.com, which is the forum software we use at Dreamers Empire. Josh is a Disney expert through and through. I know because we've been there with him two times. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Bob, I think you can attest to Josh's enthusiasm for Disney. I distinctly recall that first time we met him down there. I remember, I think it was on, I don't remember if it was our first or second day, but I remember walking into Epcot and we were to meet him near Spaceship Earth. And that first time was uh, was a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure you uh, had an impression about Josh after being with him on that first trip. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, in fact, a couple points, uh, as Josh was giving us information uh, about Epcot, which was which I found fascinating. He, I remember he turned around and said, I'm probably talking too much. And, and uh, my reply was, no, no, keep talking because uh, this is all great information. <laughs> if you think about what you pay to go on a tour there, uh, we definitely got our money's worth out of Josh. Yeah, you know, we took the, uh, the Undiscovered Future World Tour. And uh, yeah, I, I have to say that uh, uh, Josh probably gave... Uh, you know, many times more the information that we got out of the uh, person who's actually getting paid to do it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Josh, let's start with a few of our standard Disneyite questions. Uh, first off, what's your favorite park? Your favorite theme park, your favorite attraction, and since we all love to eat, your favorite restaurant at Walt Disney World. Oh, boy. Um, my favorite theme park is probably uh, Magic Kingdom. I mean, I love I love Epcot, and I love the studios, but, uh, and I, you know, to some extent, I love Animal Kingdom, but I think my favorite's the, uh, the, the history behind Magic Kingdom. Um, favorite restaurant? You know, again, I love I love so many of them. Probably Le Cellier, which is mm. at Epcot in in Canada. I think you guys uh, have a proclivity to that one as well. So <laughs> we, we tried like the Dickens to to get in there on our last trip and, and couldn't make it happen. It's so popular. Yeah, <laughs> right. and we remember the shenanigans kind of around that, don't we, Bob? <laughs> I was going to say, uh, yeah, we don't want to go into details when we <laughs> try to get into Le Cellier. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and you, what about attraction? Did you mention an, an oh favorite attraction? Um, probably Space Mountain. Oh, is that did they recently um, redid that there? Didn't they? Were, were we on the redesigned one last time? We were. Yeah, they they had uh, they had kind of enclosed in that queue area, so you could no longer look up and see the um, you know see the the spaceships going around. Right. And then they did on the ride was was kind of have the the soundtrack. So I think that's why they closed the queue so that you wouldn't hear it while you were waiting for the ride. But while you were you were riding, you actually heard that that music. Hmm. I kind of liked it the old way. I don't know. The yeah. <laughs> uh, Josh and I actually had a fun experience. We and it's something that if you, you can never make it happen, but if you if you if you're lucky enough, you get on that ride when it, it breaks down. You remember that? Yes, and the, the lights came on. We got to see it all. And we got to walk off of it. That was that was fun. I mean, that is something you never get to see is walking and ducking your head at spots and, and trying to get out of there. That was a lot right. of fun. Yeah, we've ridden it a hundred times, but uh, we only walked off of it once. <laughs> So we've been to Disney World twice with Josh. We, Bob and I will both attest to your knowledge. I would say Josh knows more than 99% of the employees that work there. So like I say, we kind of get in on his um, knowledge for free. But let's go back here a little, and uh, let's talk a little bit about the Epcot that opened in 1982. According to Walt, Epcot was going to be the most significant part of Walt's plans for Walt Disney World. You know, it's funny to think that they were planning it in the very early 60s, and it didn't open until 1982, 16 years after Walt's death. Um, Josh, you were there in the opening year. Um, how old were you, and what are your memories of it? I was like seven or eight, and I, I did have to try to think today of exactly when I was. And I, I can't remember if we went in the winter of, of 82 or springtime of 83, but, but in either case, I know it opened it opened fall of 82, so it was shortly after, after Epcot opened, and it really did have a... For, a, for an eight-year-old or a seven-year-old, it really had a, uh, a magic to it. I mean, I remember being enthralled with the future and the solar panels and the, you know, just that you were kind of immersed in in this land of the future. Um, and as a kid, I remember seeing the dinosaurs and the energy pavilion. And that was, you know, that was like the greatest thing since sliced bread for a kid my age. <laughs> And uh, Bob, you and I, now this is going to reveal something about Bob and I, um, our age, but we didn't get there until, uh, what year, do you remember what year we first went there together? I have to think it was 88 or 89. Okay. Then I must have gone, like, I think I went in 87 then, because I thought I went one 
one or two years before you and you and I first went. And I'm just so tempted to, to blurt out all my um, experiences in our first time there, but I'll hold on for now. What are your memories from that first trip going down to Disney World? Um, well, it was... Uh... It, so it was my first time at the Disney World complex. You know, we went to Disneyland when when we were quite a bit younger. So uh, I have to say that I was completely blown away. Uh, I had no idea how how massive uh, the Walt Disney World complex was. And um, even though I, I do like uh, uh, Magic Kingdom, they didn't have Animal Kingdom at the time. They did have uh, uh, MGM Studios. But I do have to say that Epcot was by far my my uh, favorite. Uh, park of the three that were there at that time and uh, I just uh, it, it was hard to hard to explain you know and as soon as we walked in there uh, and just caught the atmosphere of that park I was I was hooked <laughs> <laughs> coupled with the the weather that we've discovered since then that's one of our favorite parts about being down there Okay, in 1982, Epcot Center opened on October 1st and the de- dedication was given by then CEO E. Carden Walker which I don't remember him at all. Uh, to me, there was Walt, and there was Roy, and then there was Eisner, and now Eager, which I'm, I don't really know a lot about him. But anyway, Epcot was often referred to as a permanent World's Fair, and it cost somewhere around a billion dollars. There's sort of some different projections out there, but about a billion dollars to build. And at the time, it was the largest construction on Earth. Uh, the park is divided into two sections, Future World and World Showcase, and... Um, each pavilion in Future World was initially sponsored by a corporation. So here's a trivia question for you guys, and I got a couple of these today, which I didn't tell you in advance. <laughs> Who sponsored the land in the early years? Uh-huh. I mean, my gut's to say Nestle, but now I think that's a, tr- that's a trick. Uh, Nestle was the second one. Nestle is the current one, isn't it? Yeah, the current one, I should say. Yeah, that was a tough one. I wouldn't know. Oh, uh, um, Dow Chemical. Nope, sorry. Was it? <laughs> nope. Because there was a, a big section on them, I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Yep. All right, give up? Yep. I give It was Kraft. Kraft. That, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, didn't they have that one attraction in there with... Um, about uh, the vegetables, which I never went on. It was, it was uh, the, originally it was Kitchen Cabaret, and then it became or it was something else before. It was two different things. Then it was Food Box. Oh, oh yeah. I liked it. The audio animatronic fruits and vegetables. I wished when they had redone that, that food court area, they just put them in the middle and let them perform like Cosmic Rays at, at Magic Kingdom uh, because it was kind of cute, but... But, uh, of course, Soren's a much better, much better <laughs> attraction to that. But uh, but I did like them. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of you know, fond memories of these, which I now I wish I'd have gone on them. But I still think um, uh, Soren was the better deal there. Yeah. And, of course, uh, <clears throat> and Bob talked about this in a previous episode where uh, a number of the attractions have lost sponsorship. So... Um, that's really a, a debatable question. You know, what, what's what's the value uh, that people are getting out of sponsorship these days, especially for something big and I'm assuming pretty expensive as, as these attractions. But uh, today we're going to focus on, uh, first we're going to focus on two of the dark ride attractions that are both gone now, and uh, maybe we'll contrast them some with their replacements and find out what we think is the uh, newer one better or was the older one better. 
And then we'll do a complete tour of the Future World Park that uh, should be a lot of fun and bring back some of the great memories we had when we first went to Epcot and were dazzled uh, by all the things that they did. The first dark ride attraction we're going to talk about is Horizons. And I just got to say, Bob, and you, you uh, held back on, on talking about Horizons, which I know is hard to do, but where do you rank it on your all-time favorite ride list? What number? That's about eight. Um, <laughs> I think if, if you've looked at any of my forum posts anywhere um, and that question comes up, uh, I've, I've done this on, I think, Dizboards on WW Magic. Uh, but uh, when people ask that question, which ride do you wish they would bring back? And, of course, I always come out with the big horizons <laughs> as the, uh, the one attraction I'd like to see come back. In fact, uh, somebody, uh, the last time I was on the forums, uh, put a post that said, uh hum, <clears throat> kind of clearing their throat. Horizons wasn't that good. <clears throat> oh. And I, I replied and I said, that's blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> but in uh, any case, uh, yeah, Horizons uh, was definitely my, my, uh, my favorite uh, attraction of all time. And uh, it did. It didn't actually <clears throat> open in the in the inaugural year, did it? No. Uh, uh, Horizons actually opened about a year later, and uh, I don't remember the exact month, but uh, it was in 1983, and it was sponsored by GE. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think at that time, uh, you did see a lot more corporate sponsorship of uh, attractions, and it was a good way to get their name out there. And it's, really from what how I read, funded, it's really how they funded the building of the building and the, the uh, development of all those big big ticket attractions. Yep. Yeah, I, I suppose that uh, that's where the, the big cost is is uh, just uh, putting in uh, the, the the building and then the whole ride structure. And f- from what I read, uh, uh, there were a couple different uh, plans being kicked around for Horizons as to what it would center on, but uh, the the then head of GE insisted that uh, the attraction be a look at the future uh, and a future that was based on the technology that we had and where we were going, a, a very feasible future. It wasn't something, it wasn't a look at the far distant future, but it was to be a look at just the near future mm-hmm. uh, using technologies that we already had in place. Yep. And that was uh, true all the way back into the. Um... 39 World's Fair and the 64 World's Fair was that they weren't trying to uh, design a future that that was unreal, unrealistic. They designed something they thought we could attain. And and uh, as part of this podcast, we really focus on on the the loss of that vision, which which we cry about daily. Really, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think the the whole. Um... The whole motivation for this podcast, Recapturing the Future, probably came from Horizons, largely, mm-hmm. uh, and that that vision of the future. And uh, Josh, do you do you remember riding that one? And and what I, were your thoughts on it? Um, I remember when I was young, and then there was a big gap from from the early '80s to the the late '90s that I, I think I rode it once or twice, kind of as a, an adult. And and it it at that at that point, my most recent memories of it, sadly, was that the the ride was in a little bit of Disrepair. I think it was on its way out. Probably the year. When did that close? Did that close in '99 or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I think it was kind of on the on the way out. But, but it really, 
for what it for what it was and the the uh, the original concept behind a lot of those attractions. I mean, I I love to this day I love Spaceship Earth for the the standpoint that you know it it, it gives you that sense of awe, that sense of wonder to to think about something in the future. And Horizons was very much the the same way, and it, and I think it was the only attraction at the time that was kind of interactive because mm-hmm. you had to choose at the end if you were going to be what was it in space or underwater or or uh, or whatnot. So that was kind of revolutionary at the time too. Yeah, yeah. The third was in the desert, by the way. That's... Yeah. Um, and Horizons was not actually named Horizon initially, was it, Bob? Nope. Uh, th- it actually had two other names. The first one was Century Three, and uh, that was supposed to recognize the third century of American existence. And uh, but they decided to go against that name uh, simply because they were trying to appeal to not just um, uh, American guests but also international. So they changed it to Future Probe, which uh, you know that's a cool name. The only uh, issue they ran into with that one was uh, when you use the word probe, <laughs> sounds uh, something like a medical device. So um, <laughs> they decided maybe that wasn't a good one too. So then they finally, uh, the third one they settled with was Horizons, mm-hmm. and good name, good yeah. name, good name. And by the way, I had to say I I'm with Bob on this. Uh, uh, Horizons is my number one. Uh, attraction of all time. I mean, there's there's definitely more thrilling rides, but uh, uh, in terms of wonderment, uh, that's the tops. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, cars in the Epcot, the Omni Mover Conveyance System, which was the system that Disney had used um, similarly in other attractions. What was what was uh, different about the ride cars? Well. Um... They, the the cars themselves were always moving, and there was a moving conveyor belt, uh, similar to. And I think we talked about that when we uh, uh, talked about uh, the um, people mover, our Tomorrowland Transit Authority, whatever you want to call that. Uh, same same kind of deal where you actually got onto a moving platform, so they never had to stop the ride unless there was an issue. And uh, everybody that got into the, the car held uh, roughly three people, maybe four. I, I don't remember if, I suppose if you got smaller people, you get four in there. And uh, you sat and you faced uh, the, uh, I guess, the present, each each section, each presentation section. And it was real similar. Uh, Dean, if you've seen the videos, uh, you've seen them because you talked about them. Mm-hmm. The videos uh, for uh, GM's attraction back in the uh, thirty. Uh, nine World's Fair, Futurama. It was the same kind of deal, except you were looking down on a diorama, uh, smaller dioramas at that that attraction. That's right. And that that attraction, you know, Horizons, um, well, we, we've said it's our favorite it, because it captured something that um, we just believe it captured better than any other attraction. So I, I want to ask you both this question, which is, Oh, uh, and, and and Josh, you haven't necessarily said it was one of your favorites, but I, I know you were a little bit younger when you were there. But what, Josh, what what do you remember about that ride that that made it so different than some of the rides you see today? I think it was the uh, I, I specifically remember the interactivity at the end, the, the mm-hmm. getting having the the ride experience be unique based on what you chose. Do they do that in any other uh, attraction? Yeah. They recently do it in the remodeled Spaceship Earth. All right, kind of where you you know you, you build it builds your version of the future, I think. But uh, um, I don't remember anything else that that did that. 
It, are, not to get off track here, but aren't you um, disappointed in the in the way Spaceship Earth finishes on, you know, you're focusing on a computer screen rather than all the surroundings that they used to use? Yeah, that because that ride was so unique to look at everything in there and the structure and and knowing that you're inside the big ball. You know what I mean? That was that was always kind of so neat. So indeed, they draw your attention attention away from looking at anything for the whole the whole trip back to Earth. <laughs> I know, and 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 that's a great point. I mean, you know, I love Spaceship Earth too, and it does. It's of all the attractions, it probably bring, brings back memories of Horizons better than any other one. But that ending, I remember uh, the mirrors, and I remember that it just it gave you that that sense of uh, bigness. Uh, right, Bob. Again, Horizons. What what is it about that attraction that made it so incredible? Um, I, I think, uh, I think the, the experience you go through on that attraction was different than, uh, probably all the other ones. Uh, usually when you, when I went to, uh, any Disney attraction, it was, you know, there, so many of them were so good and you come off saying, wow, that was really well done. Uh, or if it was a little bit more of a thrill, uh, to the ride, you'd say, you know, that, uh, wow, that really had a, a cool thrill aspect to it. But I think, uh, Different than any other attraction, when I got off Horizons, I felt inspired. Mm. Is the mm. word uh, because uh, it in you know in full size dioramas essentially depicted uh, what life would look like in the near future, and so uh, it was exciting to me. Uh, exciting to think that this is actually attainable. That's the kind of world I would like to live in. Mm-hmm. That, you nailed it. I now now I can't say what I wanted to say, but it, yes, it, it was inspiring. I. Th- I agree wholeheartedly on that. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Horizons uh, a little bit later as we take our tour of Future World Park from 1980s to early 90s. It's fun to be free To be on the move To go anywhere With never a care for our second dark ride attraction, we're going to talk about World of Motion. And um, like we said in the beginning, Josh is really the, the reigning expert on all things Disney. So, uh, Josh, why don't you take us back to that ride, World of Motion. Well, World of Motion was one of, the, uh, one of the opening day attractions at Epcot. So it did open in 82 when, when the park opened. Um, and like, like all the other... Uh, opening day attractions or like those early attractions like Horizons and Spaceship Earth and such that were meant to be inspiring and and educational um, World of Motion had the twist that it was supposed to be the funny one Um, so it it, it took its look at history and and, uh, the history of transportation through comical um, scenes and and dioramas Um, in fact their their description from the Epcot guidebook when it opened was Uh, Imagine a world of motion. Take a rib-tickling ride through the evolution of transportation and see just why it's, quote, fun to be free. Hmm. Discover how mankind's progress had been directly related to the worldwide interventions in mobility and take a look at how tomorrow's transportation will change the face of our cities. So it it, it had that same inspiring, you know, what the world's going to be like, the city of tomorrow, the the transportation, but it was was comical in nature. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And, and, and it, you know, like you say, using existing technologies, it, it did attempt to predict a real future for transportation. Um, and fittingly, it was 
it was originally sponsored as most of those opening attractions were by a major corporation they, they were sponsored by uh, general motors who uh, who still does sponsor uh the the, uh, the revised attraction today which is test track but uh like like horizons you uh, you boarded the omni uh the omni mover vehicles and and were transported through uh through the entire history so so the the ride kind of took you through everything from foot power to uh travel by by early boats um onto the invention of the wheel uh, onto the invention of the steam engine, the steamboat, and the steam train, and then ultimately on into cars, of course, um, leading you to where where General Motors was. Um, but uh, General Motors uh, did the, uh, the initial ten-year sponsorship deal on the ride to compete with Ford, who had sponsored one of the uh, attractions at the '64 World's Fair. So they were they were really just trying to compete when they uh, when they signed on to that attraction. It's it's one of the uh, the attractions that was signed by the or designed by the living legend of Disney, Mark Davis, who did uh, you know all the the mainstays, the Pirates of the Caribbean, the Jungle Cruise, the Haunted Mansion, um, and, and you can definitely see his humor throughout. Things like they had gags in there of of a of a used chariot sale, and and they had a, a scene that was one of the most photographed photographed attractions in the ride of the world's first traffic jam. Ah. Uh. I didn't but, know that. Uh, yeah, they said they. Uh, I looked on Wikipedia and it, it said it was one of the most photographed, photographed uh, scenes in the in the actual ride. Huh. Um, but they had other humorous things in there. The Age of Flight talked about Leonardo da Vinci and his many attempts to fly, and and uh, next to him is a clearly upset and and sad looking Mona Lisa, <laughs> <laughs> which is really kind of kind of silly, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, they depicted the evolution of steam and the, the river boats and onto the locomotive where they, they uh, talk about the uh, the railroad robbery. And, and they even have a scene where the invention of the wheel and they've got all these people with, with squares and triangles and all these different shapes. And like the first prize winner is the guy with the circle. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. yeah it almost a, seems like they're trying to um, <clears throat> make us feel also, I mean, maybe in a humorous way, but the pains that these people went through to try to... Uh, invent transportation right right exactly exactly i do remember the 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 funny scene of the world's first traffic jam they had the uh items in it like an upset horse uh spilling ice truck and and kids screaming during the 1900s um you know probably they are we there yet sort of thing so the the final exhibit of of uh world emotion was center core which was the again the amazing city of the future so all those all those rides in the early days of Epcot really had that same same focus about what what society and that that really all harkens back to the original concept for Epcot of it being a city. You know, I, I know they they didn't actually end up being able to make Epcot a city, but they definitely uh, honored it in many of those early attractions, mm-hmm. at least the concept of it. But uh, uh, so at the end of the ride, it kind of did a similar effect to the Hitchhiking Ghosts. In the Haunted Mansion, where your Omnimover appeared to be a simulated car of the future. I seem to remember um, some scene where uh, a guy's got like a pot of fruit on his head and his eyeballs are spinning in circles. <laughs> was the, that was the, I think that was in the funny, the first traffic jam scene or something yeah, like that. Probably, right? Um, but the, the final exhibit... Um, or the, the, when you exited your vehicle, then it went to what they called the Trans Center, 
which was full of exhibits and shows about transportation. And it, it, that had kind of an interventions style feel to it where they, they had different prototype cars and they had like a replica of uh, America's only wind tunnel. They had kind of a little, a little show with assembly line robots. Um, they had some computer generated um, displays of GM's torture test, which I think is kind of what they, the direction they went on with, with test track. Um, they also talked a lot about the process of creating the prototype cars for GM, and and then they uh, they talked about the aero test and how uh, it allowed them to study the airflow on automobiles for fuel economy. Which, you know, in the 80s, cars were still pretty square, and I think they were just getting into to starting to uh, to make things a little more streamlined. Um, and and GM had two two sponsorship deals um, with the. Uh, uh, with the world of motion. And uh, after the second sponsorship ended in 92, uh, and then they started going year to year on the, on the sponsorship. And, and uh, that was when they, they needed to kind of have the idea to, to kind of gut it and, and rehab it into a new, new attraction. And that's where the, uh, the idea of something that focused only on cars, that's where test track came from. So, so unlike horizons, they didn't take the whole building down. They just kind of, they used the current structure, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's still the uh, still the same uh, same building. It's a uh, I think it's like a sixty thousand square foot square foot building. Uh, ride capacity of World of Motion was twenty thousand people. If you can imagine, how but did the, they do that? It was quite a quite a large attraction. Um, had one hundred eighty eight audio animatronics. Um, average annual attendance of it was seven million. So it it definitely. Uh, it definitely moved a lot of people through there. That's amazing because um, I know uh, Epcot gets about 10 million, a little over 10 million years. So that means 70% of the people were going on that one attraction. Yeah, and the, the prototype cars, when you when you got off that attraction and, and you had those cars, the prototype futuristic cars, that was the most photographed spot in all of Walt Disney World. Duh. People Duh. wanted their pictures taken with those cars. So, I mean, for, for GM, for a car company to be kind of involved in – in setting that up, I mean, obviously that was a great, a great business idea for them at the time. It just needed to, uh, apparently, needed to adapt uh, with everything else. Which of you two remembers uh, Centercore? You remember what it looks like? Well, you don't. <laughs> I I remember it because. Um, it had that what do you call it? Forced perspective or whatever. It it made you were looking at a futuristic city. That, like Josh mentioned there in the end, and it it had that that size, and it, it just gave you that sense of this is really the kind of future world that you know Walt and and the original Imagineers or whatever dreamt of, and that they thought was possible. And so I I was in that respect I was sorry to see uh, World of Motion go. Although I would I would struggle to say I I don't like te- I love Test Track of those two attractions. Which which would you rather have? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, from a from a business standpoint for Disney, I see the need for them to have the the thrill attractions. But you know, I, I'm I'm of the the diehard school that I I would hate. It's a shame that others have to go to make room for those thrill attractions that they can't add those and let them let them be side by side. Because I do wish that that this and Horizons. Uh, and some of the others were still there today. I have to agree with Josh. I I, I have uh, a little more nostalgic 
view, even though I love Test Track and my kids really enjoy it, uh, I, I do miss World of Motion. Now, the, I have a couple of fun tidbits. The, the final ceremonial ride of World of Motion, which was ridden by GM executives, actually it broke down, yeah. and they had to walk off of it. <laughs> and and the, the closing of World of Motion actually was beneficial for your favorite attraction because Horizons, uh, the, the closing of the World of Motion forced the reopening of Horizons, um, which maybe had been closed seasonally or closed, you know how they close things on yep. and off on a temporary basis. So apparently uh, in 96, Horizons was closed when they took World of Motion offline and thereby reopened Horizons to kind of give you another attraction there. It's kind of sad when the the you know, the sponsorship dollar, um, I mean, early on, the sponsorship dollar was such a big motivation that the, the these corporations wanted to be part of and, and helping to kind of build the future. And now it seems that the sponsorship dollar is really more cut and dried, business sense, exposure. And, and it, you know, it's sad that the sponsorship dollar shifted it from something that it was into Test Track, which is a is a decent ride unto itself, but it's not that same inspiring um fun educational you know what i mean it's it's more more focused on on one aspect right you know which is a fine thing to focus on but you're i'm always kind of saddened that that so many of these you know these inspiring attractions are gone mm-hmm. yeah i think uh, you know test track is fun and it's informational but uh, <laughs> you're right it's, it's not really inspiring I, I struggle on that one. I, I, I love Test Track, um, but I do not struggle on the contrast between Horizons and Mission Space. <laughs> Hands down, I wish Horizons was still here. Yeah. Right. I mean, Mission Space is, is fun and, and, and all of that, but, but it, doesn't, it doesn't teach you anything. It, you know, it, it inspires you on a very limited basis about space travel, but uh, those attractions are also a lot shorter in length. Um, I don't know exactly the ride duration of horizon of uh, world of motion was 15 minutes. Not a whole lot of other rides are 15 minutes. That's for sure. That's long. That's a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how long are you on? What? I mean, test tracks, maybe, maybe five or six minutes, you know, from the time you actually get on the ride. Yeah. If that, uh, so for a 15 minute ride to be able to hold 20,000 people and pump, you know, 7 million people a year through that's, that's kind of amazing. Expedition Everest is one minute, right? Uh, or is it what is it? Expedition Everest? I'm thinking of. Or am I thinking of Rock and Roller Coaster? One of those is one minute. <laughs> it, it, actually, that's probably Rock and Roller Coaster because now that I think about Rock and Roller Coaster, is pretty. Uh, it's over before you because it's inside and there's not a whole lot of room. It goes fast, but uh, you're done pretty quickly there. Although for my age, it doesn't get over soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> Disney did do a little paying homage when when the attraction was closed down and they moved. Uh, they moved some of the some of the audio animatronics and things. There was a sea serpent in the uh, in the attraction that they they uh, put on display out at Disney California Adventure. Huh. Uh, they, they took some of the chickens that were in the ride. They put them at Mickey's Toontown Fair. Um, some of them were on the the Studio Backlot tour for a, a while. Some of the the sets and props. And then the there were two men in that attraction that carried that were trying to pick up the fallen ice block during the traffic jam. And they used them for a while in, in Disneyland's Pirates of the Caribbean, trying to drag, trying to pick up a big heavy treasure chest. And they had all this, the exact same audio from the, the World of Motion ride. But but then even they had to take them out for uh, when it revamped to put Jack Sparrow in there. Right. 
Okay. They really other uh, they don't uh, sell any of that stuff on eBay or anything, do they? <laughs> <laughs> you know, every once in a while, Disney does have uh, they have had some some auctions going on because I used to go to a a pin event that they held at Epcot and and you could buy they they had an auction going for a, a, a monorail a nose cone and they had a Mister Toad's Wild Ride um, vehicle. Which I, I used to joke about getting like the monorail nose cone and putting it like in your living room and just sitting in and watching <laughs> TV or something. You know, it'd be kind of fun. Like the couch. Now the the scary thing is, is you've just triggered Bob's mind because he wants to put a Horizons car in his house, and not only that, he he would really make it move. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, actually, you could. Uh, there was a Horizons ride vehicle on eBay for a while. Uh, actually, for quite a while. Remember that? 10K. 10,000. Yep. Yep, 10,000. Yeah, they, they do sell them every once in a while. I don't know if I don't know if that's Disney selling them or if they they sold them at one point and these are people reselling them. I think the monorail nose cone thing went for 20 or 30,000 dollars at the oh. time. Oh man. Wow. If I had the money. Yeah. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. As we take a virtual tour of each attraction, I think you'll discover that there is very little of Future World left as we knew it back in the 80s. So let's take a tour now. We've just gotten off the monorail. We've just swung through Future World Park, and we've gotten off. And, Bob, you know better than anyone, what's the first thing we're greeted by when we get off that monorail? Well, I tell you what I remember is just a nice uh, tropical breeze <laughs> that seems to waft its way through that uh, monorail station. Uh, and and uh, I enjoy that. And, uh, of course, uh, then it's uh, as you descend the ramp... Uh, then you pretty quickly get a full view of the uh, uh, spaceship Earth and that whole entry plaza. And what, what oh, you, got, you left out one of the important parts, which is the the music. No, it was very good theming. Uh, the music. Yeah. yeah they, play, they play the best music. The best music, and I would argue that the music back in the '80s, '90s was. I like I like the current music. I like some of the David Arkenstone, and I think some of that stuff works. But I did like the. The uh, music, which you can, I think you can get uh, most of it off the internet. First attraction we obviously hit is Spaceship Earth. What are your memories of the old Spaceship Earth? I'm talking favorite narrator, favorite segments. What do you remember, Josh? Yeah, but I just remember the. Uh, uh, for me, as a as a seven or eight year old, it was it was so um, inspiring to be able to ride and go inside of that because Disney ran a TV commercial that was popular in the early '80s where. Mickey was on top of that spaceship Earth, and he was waving to the camera. Do you guys remember that TV commercial? I do. Oh, yeah. 
and I always wondered how they get Mickey up there and is he attached to the thing and you know but uh, but for me it was neat just knowing that I was riding up inside of that huge round structure you know they had never seen anything like that um, I do remember the early narration who I don't remember his name though who was the was it Cron- Cronkite that mm-hmm. early on yeah Walter yeah, Cronkite. Yeah, he was probably my favorite favorite narration. And I, re- I remember smelling, you know, you when they were, when they were burning Rome or burning the city, you smelled the the burning, and you, you know the the animatronics in there were were impressive to watch. Right on. How about you, Bob? Yeah, I have to say, uh, you know, I liked uh, uh, the, the current narrations okay, and then the one before the current one, which is is Jeremy Irons, I think, did mm-hmm. that one. And, did a good job but uh i am partial to walter cronkite uh there's something about his voice that uh is just um it fits uh, yeah <laughs> it definitely works you know. and i think uh, i think the music uh actually going up to that attraction it was all themed around tomorrow's child mm-hmm. and uh that was um that i like that uh, that music it was inspiring again and I'll, and I'll just step in here and say that that leads me right to mine was is when and you still get some of that but when you get to the top and you come out and you see the well you're seeing earth right you're looking at earth projected up on the right on the ceiling and that music crescendos right at that point and you turn backwards and when you went down backwards you were they used mirrors and and lights and some some different things. I don't remember all the details, but I remember it had that uh, shock and awe sense yeah. at that point. <laughs> yeah, you kind of come around the corner. You're like inside little scenes, and all of a sudden you kind of come out, and you're you're just in this huge space. That was that was great. It is still it's still good. It's just I I don't think they should have put the computer screen things, and it's kind of cool too. But it's definitely not placed right. One of the one of the things I remember from the first time we rode that back in '89 uh, was uh, as you came over the top and you were descending back to Earth, uh, and of course you got the, the the spaceship view then, and you saw the depiction of uh, being in space and and uh, and the planet and everything. But there was also um, there was like a little space station scene in that uh, in that final. Um, that final scene before you descended back there, and there, it, it looked like a space station with people doing a spacewalk and working on, on something. And right. I only saw that I only saw that once. And the next time we went back, uh, that scene was gone, and it's never been back. Right. <laughs> that was always always a disappointment to me. And if my if my trivia memory serves me correctly, I think the original design of that ride and the structure was built accordingly. That that the ride was actually toward somewhere towards the top that the the track was was to extend outside, and I think they they ditched that idea from the standpoint of they didn't like the way it looked from the outside, and then you had weather and things like that to deal with with having it open at the top. Um, but uh, but from what I'm told, it's actually constructed that there's a place when when you're in there with the lights on that you can kind of see where the track would go uh, outside. Interesting. I did not know that. They, they've looked at they've looked at gutting that attraction several times and 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 doing something different in there, a la a, a, a new kind of roller coaster type thing or whatever. But the the actual ride mechanism is is an integral part of the structure of the building, so they 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 can't just gut it and build something new in there. So it, it's kind of forced them to keep it a similar a similar attraction. 
Hmm. I think it's good. You know, you don't want to you don't want to dump everything. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, guys, uh, Communicore. That's some. Uh, that's something that my kids would scratch their heads over. What was Communicore? Bob, let's uh, start with your memories about Communicore. Yeah, Communicore was. Uh, you know, it's it's something similar to what people see today, which is innoventions. Uh, it was smaller displays, uh, technological displays. Uh, but if I just seem to remember, uh, it was. A little more intriguing, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the first things I remember visiting there was uh, the. Uh, it was called Computer Central, and uh, they actually had a little show where they uh, uh, they displayed uh, some of the technology that went into running the entire park. Oh. Yeah, they actually pulled uh, they pulled a kind of a blind away as they got to the end of the show, and you actually got to see the the control room. Uh, the computer systems that uh, ran a lot of Epcot, and I think the reason, uh, what, another reason it intrigued me is I worked for the company that pr- provided all that equipment, which was at the time Sperry Univac. I which, worked there too. Yeah, which both me and Dean worked at. Later became Unisys. So uh, that was uh, that was a good. I remember that that was a that was an intriguing show. Um, what was the other one? Uh, I remember you could ride uh, like uh, exercise bikes, but they had a full. A screen in front of you, so like you, a virtual reality sort of thing. Right, you could feel like you were biking through the mountains, and I remember that was a that was a real cool display. Uh, I seem to remember another one with uh, uh, like a, a big oil rig, and they showed uh, some of the technology. Now I know they have that at uh, at the Norway Maelstrom uh, <laughs> ride, but they also had a. Uh, um, a uh, uh, something at Communicore that depicted that too, and that was a pretty cool attraction. So those are some of the some of the highlights to me of Communicore. And uh, Josh, what what are your recollections on Communicore? You know, as a as a kid, I don't remember a lot of the specific attra- uh, exhibits in there, but I do remember the concept of it kind of being hands on, and that there there wasn't. I hadn't experienced a lot of things like that where you you know the exhibits were actually hands on and, and giving the opportunity to kind of try and and play with things. So um, I do remember that. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to ask a trivia question and uh, see if you can remember. This is a tough one, but what cool thing could you do at Communicore that they they don't have anymore? I know there's some different attractions, but there was some service. I'll give you that clue, a service at Communicore that they offered that you cannot do there any longer. Wasn't it making a phone call? Close. Sending a fax. Huh? Sending a fax? Nope. No. You could make a dinner reservation with a, a real person. You, you'd you stand in line, you'd walk up to one of the TV screens, and you would see this oh. smiling, usually good-looking uh, Disney employee that was ready to t- happily take your Disney, res- Disney reservation. That's right. I do remember that. They they uh, It was kind of the introduction to like a teleconference type thing. Yeah, I, I love that. Of course, I love food, but you know, I, I yeah, I love that. And now you can do it for free on Skype and and iChat. And, <laughs> you know, so it wasn't that far off from future. Oh, well, they were thinking right. Yeah, that was a uh, um, that was really a good picture of some cool technology which we saw 
you know quickly on the horizon. So that was that was fun. I remember that. And and you would again say you prefer that over the newer interventions. Definitely. Yeah. Me too. There was something more. I don't know. Maybe like Josh said, uh, more I, more interactive and uh, more intriguing. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. just come out of Communicore, and we're going to head to the right. So uh, first attraction we're going to go through is the Living Seas. Now, of course, back uh, back in the 80s and the early 90s, there was no Nemo back then, was there, Josh? No, no Finding Nemo back then. <laughs> what do you uh, What do you remember about the attraction? I, I remember the uh, the hydrolators. Yep. The hydrolators that, that made you think that you were going... Uh, under the under the uh, deep end of the ocean, which you know, back in the day, the the the, uh, the trick that the, or the effect that they used was pretty uh, pretty realistic. Uh, you is know, that, is that able- this? I'm sorry, is that the same effect they used with the haunted mansion? Yeah, the the haunted mansion doesn't really go up and down in uh, in Florida. In California, it was a real elevator, but uh, in Florida. The floor just shook, and then the hydrolators had the, the walls that moved. Um, but I, I took the Disney Cruise once, and they, Disney Cruise always had this special speaker, and they, and they had a guy on that was in charge of of all the animals for the Walt Disney World Resort, and he talked about the building of that pavilion. And and that hydrolator was so realistic to people when it first opened that someone actually did um, claim that they that their ears popped, and, and actually did file a lawsuit. And the, the joke of the lawsuit is that you can open both doors and the thing doesn't really go anywhere. You're not going to hurt your ears. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Anything for a lawsuit. Yeah, exactly. no kidding. How about you, Bob? Yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, it um, of course, I remember the hydrolators. And I think uh, the cool thing was, uh, like you said, the floor moved as it was quote-unquote descending or giving you that that effect but the other effect of course was on the walls they had uh, little windows and they had bubbles coming up so it uh, it was supposed to give you the feel that you were descending into into the water and uh, so that was that was a really an awesome effect and the bubbles moved upwards so that gave you the other sensation that you were descending into the depths of the ocean so um, and beyond the hydrolators uh, um, the uh, of course you boarded uh, essentially a ride that took you through um, through parts of the aquarium, uh, so you could see windows into the aquarium, and I, and then you arrived at Sea uh, Base Alpha, right? Which, and I remember uh, you know the first uh, the first look at Sea Base Alpha, uh, boy that that looked that looked very very uh, very convincing. Mm-hmm funny story there um i actually went to disney World with my dad and uh his wife and my niece shauna um and shauna was six i remember this and we had we had a really tough day getting down there i ended up i was so exhausted i i got no sleep i got the worst headache finally told my dad i just got to go back to the hotel and and sleep and in our first day was at epcot and so my dad and uh, his wife bernie and and shauna they all um stayed at Epcot and they got back later that night and I says uh, oh tell me tell me what you saw 
So while well, we we went to the living seas, I said, "Oh, it's good, huh? Yeah." And then what else did you do? Well, that was it. <laughs> they had spent like five hours or something in the living seas, and they just didn't really know what else they were supposed to do. They just, you know, examined every nook and cranny, I guess, of it. But just thought they had a big aquarium for the day. I guess. I guess you know they thought there was SeaWorld or something. <laughs> Yeah, I remember how short that ride was. I used to think, man, this thing should be a little bit longer. And uh, if you'd ever see the original design for the Living Seas, that was uh, you were supposed to go through a tube, so it was like uh, you were uh, uh, completely surrounded by water. And uh, I can't remember if you were heading to like a central thing or or what, but that was pretty amazing. Just make believe you're a tiny little sea. Tiny little seed that's reaching up to meet your need with the right amount. Okay, now we're uh, uh, moving on to the land. And uh, the, the land, Bob, what do you. Uh, this is pre Soren. What do you remember about the land? I uh, remember just the primary attraction, which was, um, I think they call it living with the land now. I don't know if it's, that's what they called it back then, but it was uh, a narrated. Uh, boat ride and uh, they took you to some of the labs that they had where they were trying innovative uh, ways of growing food and that's the same thing essentially that they have today although today there is no uh, no person narrating uh, it's it's uh, just a recording now but uh, that's uh, that's what I remember primarily I didn't really do a whole lot uh, of the other smaller attractions uh, in in that building you did right Josh yeah, I I, uh, I enjoyed that that the boat ride, which is as Bob says, essentially the same thing. It was called Listen to the Land originally, and they changed it to Living with the Land. Uh, I think they just maybe a few of the the narrations added more of a you know conservation kind of aspect to it. But uh, yeah, they had the the kitchen cabaret uh, initially, and then and then food rocks, which they, it was essentially the same thing, just with an updated updated show and, and characters but it was kind of a little a little musical show about eating your food pyramid and fruits and vegetables and stuff like that um, and then they had another another uh, movie there called symbiosis which later was uh, was changed to the, the the lion king thing the uh, circle of life movie they still have that one they still have the circle of life okay i still have not seen that <laughs> Moving right along into Journey into Imagination, um, it was Figment back then, and he's still there. Uh, what do you recall about the original uh, ride, Josh? You know, I I, I I remember Figment, and that ride seems to have changed so many times, and, and they took Figment out and Figment back in, so I, I can't in my head place the uh, the original one other than other than Figment. Figment was the, you know, some people either love Figment or they hate Figment. So it's <laughs> one of those things. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. He, he gets a little annoying, uh, annoying in my world, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I do like that. That ride's usually a nice break. Yeah. Bob. Uh, it was nice because it usually wasn't too crowded. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I think it's the same, same case today, but, uh, no, I don't remember a whole lot about, uh, it wasn't one of my favorite attractions. Uh, it, uh, I remember it had uh, whatever that contraption was uh, that uh, that figment and this other guy sat on. I remember 
you know, thinking, is that thing going to ever end? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, no, not not real impressed with that. <laughs> okay, well, I actually do remember a couple things that struck me about that ride was when you got in there, you're 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 in a in a car and you were uh, going in a circular fashion around, kind of almost like Carousel of Progress, except the middle was moving with you. So you saw that big machine that that guy was, and then Figment show up, and you were always facing it. You knew you were moving, so you knew the center was moving, but you were never uh, seeing anything different. So somehow they kind of put you in a circular thing, and you finally got done with it. I thought that part lasted forever, and I, I never quite figured out the mechanics behind it. The other thing I remember about that ride was there was one section, and it sounds really stupid, but it was cut-out paper uh, horses and, and things like that. And they did s- such a good job with the colors and everything. I remember being really impressed with that part. I'm not a big Figment fan. But the, the one now just doesn't really impress me a whole lot. Right, right. The best part is the upside is the backwards waterfall outside. That's right. <laughs> Take a picture of it every time we're there. Yeah. And, uh, all right, now we're going to uh, uh, skip to the other side of Epcot and uh, World of Motion, which we did talk about. Um, other thoughts about sections of that ride? Anyone? Nothing additional, I don't think, that we didn't talk about. Well, there's one. <laughs> okay. The Just the spiral uh, tube, or you know how you, you got on the ride and you, you came outside for a little bit and okay. uh, kind of revolved around, uh, what do they call that? I, I was always impressed with that part. It was kind of was kind of cool to go in, get on the ride, and then go out for a little bit and wave to people like, ha ha, look, I'm on the ride. The speed <laughs> tunnels, the, 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 I think they call them little speed tunnels, right? Yeah. I like that part, and this is going to sound crazy, but I can remember the smell of the carpet in that in that place. It's one of those things where all of a sudden you hear, you smell some kind of, uh, I don't want to say musty, but maybe some kind of damp carpet, and for some reason I think a world of motion. <laughs> I think I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> we call it a we call it a Disney smell alert. <laughs> Bob and I get them daily, by the way. Oh, yeah, it's pretty pathetic. <laughs> Attention Horizons passengers You are invited to choose your own flight path back to the future port Please look down at the lighted panels in front of you Press one of the three ride choices Space, Desert, or Undersea Everyone can choose Majority rules All passengers, make your selections now Okay, well, we got a lot earlier on World of Motion, but I bet we have a few that we haven't mentioned on Horizons yet. I know, I know that's the case. Josh, any other segments of Horizons that uh, you remember and you really cherished? Well, I mean, I think I, you know, I, I think there there were a couple of scenes in there that they utilized the big Omnimax screen, uh, the big, you know, big movie screen that kind of wrapped around and. And I think I said it already, but the the being able to pick your 
the interactive part of the ending. Mm-hmm. How about you, Bob? Yeah, I think uh, I, I liked every portion, of course, of that ride. Even the uh, the, the thing when you walk, remember when we walked in and uh, initially my first time on it, and I saw some <laughs> some little display, and I was just already awestruck. And and you were like, "Well, we're not even in the ride yet." <laughs> <laughs> that is true, Josh. He walked in and he was like, "Wow." Like, well, Bob, that's a piece of plastic, but yeah, come on in, you know, because there's there's other stuff here. It's <laughs> a cool thing. Yeah. What, yeah. What, was was that the attraction that that we read when we were on vacation? The 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 blog post, or is that the one that was the most where people hopped off the ride the most? Yes. <laughs> you mean the ones where they snuck off their car and and yeah. wandered around because there was absolutely no security? Right. <laughs> yeah. Reading what were we reading? Some kind of blog or something about all the different ways that that people had had jumped off and explored that ride. Yeah, it was actually two guys, <laughs> which we don't recommend. But yeah, funny. you can't do anymore. Yeah. But yeah, Bob found that on YouTube once and sent it to me, and I'm like, "Oh, you're kidding!" I mean, they were just wandering around freely, and uh, now yeah. I wish I had done it. <laughs> yeah, now they, that's that's a surefire fast pass to get, get yourself kicked out. I'm sure. True. Oh, the, the stories are kind of funny how they uh, <laughs> how they yeah. evaded security and that kind of stuff. Because <laughs> uh, one time they they opened a door and walked through something, and there was a maintenance person. And he started chasing them. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they managed to they managed to hide in some section that they were familiar with, and uh, and got out. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Well, Josh already nailed the the best one for me, and I think for you too, Bob, was those omni screens where you came around the corner and all of a sudden you're like flying over New York City or seeing these um, space things coming at you. Uh, that was that was incredible. Yeah, before we had all the big uh, high dollar ride motion vehicles that could simulate that that was the the best way to kind of have that sensation oh yeah yeah, yeah i think uh, even even entering the ride you know as you first entered they tried to make it uh, like you were um you were boarding a vehicle to travel into the future um and and the vehicle was called horizons one that's uh that's why uh, there's a there's a good website out there called horizons1.com that chronicles that ride but that's essentially what you were doing so when you first walked into the entryway uh, you, you were seeing a a screen that showed departure times and uh, that was called futureport uh, so it was you know similar to airport but it was futureport and you were uh, boarding this vehicle to go into the future what was cool was the initial part of that ride was uh, a a look at past visions of the future, and so what they first did was went back to the uh, turn of the century, uh, you know, up to around the 1920s, and they showed what uh, people thought the future would look, would look like then. Had a lot of good uh, static displays. Uh, they had some animatronics. They showed uh, uh, Jules Verne's um, picture of a moonshot uh, back at the turn of the century, and. Uh, so they showed that. Then they moved a little bit ahead, and uh, you moved into the view of the future from the 50s. And that was kind of, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of neon uh, lights. It was kind of, uh, it wasn't as involved as the first scene. And, and actually the story goes that uh, they essentially ran out of budget to do the 50s scene. Hmm. Uh, so they used a lot of uh, kind of wire-framed um, yep. Models and and neon to try to give it 
kind of a cool 50s neon look, but the whole, really the whole purpose was uh, to keep it cheap. <laughs> and, of course, what they really wanted to invest their money in was, uh, from that point, you went on to your uh, OmniMax screen, and uh, they showed you uh, basically a film uh, showing all the technology that we had today. And, and based on that technology, they said, okay, now let's move into the future. And uh, from there, your uh, OmniMax, OmniMover vehicle uh, moved to the next section, which was uh, a view of life in the future, um, first in the city, uh, and then in if somebody was living in a desert reclamation um, area was the next part. And uh, then they showed what life might look like if you lived in a uh, under underwater city. Uh, and then from there, they went up to space. And uh, you got to see what life might look like living on a space station. Hmm. And uh, in each case, they, they centered it around the American family and their experience in those settings. So uh, <laughs> very, very cool. And then from there, it went on to, like you were talking about earlier, Josh, kind of the interactive portion where you were able to choose your flight path and and take a little ride, uh, right. either the desert, uh, through the sea, or in space. You know, three, one of three choices. And I think the vehicle kind of the the they had blinders on the side or something, right? So you were only looking at your own screen. Yep. Yeah. And you had to vote, and and yeah. and, and the majority won. And if it was a tie, who knows how they did it? Because it was four <laughs> votes. <laughs> right. But what um, I remember from that ride is the. Um, downtown apartment where the older couple lived and they were about ready to go to the birthday party and uh the view of the downtown there was incredible right out their window i love that that part and then uh and then you go out to the orange farm and of course you guys remember the smell that you got yep you had actual citrus smell yep that was amazing i think the city uh, the cityscape was real cool they tried to make it uh Looked like monorails were moving, and there was actually activity going on out the window of, of this future apartment. Yep. And then there was the undersea part where the kids were getting, you know, it was like eight and seven year old kids getting ready to scuba dive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, then you see all the international uh, people sitting at the restaurant pods. Oh yeah. The underwater <laughs> restaurant pods. You'll see. You saw. A guy with a turban on, so you know, uh, trying to capture that international feel. <laughs> yeah, with a shrimp, I remember it. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember food pretty well. <laughs> Why is that? Shrimp. That's my job. <clears throat> yeah. Hello again, everyone. We'll be getting underway momentarily. Bravo two two niner. Are you ready to initiate launch? That is affirmative control. All systems go. Begin initial reduction sequence. Reduction sequence begun. We're now approaching the miniaturization room, where the technicians will focus a particle beam on our ship. Particle reducer, engage. Roger. Now we're going to go on to Wonders of Life, uh, which we hadn't mentioned. The building is actually still there, and I know that they occasionally use it, like during the Food and Wine Fest and uh, whatever that uh, flower fest is. But... Um, what was inside of Wonders of Life, Bob? You remember? Well, um, one of the smaller ones was uh, Cranium Command. I remember, and they uh, that was trying to show all the activity inside the brain um, using actors and and uh, small displays. Uh, uh, they tried to show what would go on in the mind of a 
I don't know, he's like a 12-year-old boy or something, and mm-hmm. yeah, all the activity that went on inside the body. So that was a that was a, that was a cool show. And there was another big attraction in there, Josh. You re, you recall? The the Body Wars was in there, which was uh, very similar to the Star Tours attraction. Although I always felt it was a little, it was even rougher than Star Tours. Yeah, absolutely, it was. <laughs> but, uh, I think it was shrunk down like a blood cell or something, and injected in, injected into someone's body. So you're you're on your flight going through the human body. Yep. And something goes terribly wrong. Right. Always you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Everything went smooth, folks. No problems today. Yeah. Yeah. All I remember, all I remember is it kind of did war on your body if uh, you yeah. weren't used yeah. to motion simulator rides. Bob and I walked off of that one in the in the I think in the eighties or whatever it was we went on it and we both worked it off for a while. Right. Yeah. I think they ultimately moved the the bicycles that Bob was talking about that were part of the. The predecessor to interventions. I think those were in there for a while with the with the TVs on them. And oh, yeah. then I remember they had the there was like a movie like it always caught my attention because it was the the making of me and it was one of the only places at Disney that you'd see some kind of parental warning that the subject matter <laughs> might be. But you know it was a little uh, little movie. I think it had Martin Short in it that that talked about birth and how life begins and stuff. And I think they had the warning there so that you didn't take your little kids out of it if you didn't want them to know. Oh, because I was trying to call my mom when I was down there to see if I could go on it, but I could never get in touch with her. You, so You could never get parental approval. <laughs> no, I never did. I mean, I was 33. I guess I should have. Uh... <laughs> I called her and I told her I was shocked. Finally, uh, an attraction that is still there today, but again has changed, is the universe of energy. And uh, Josh, what do you uh, what do you recall about the pre Ellen universe of energy? Yeah, that was my first trip. That was the thing. That was just the the my favorite thing as a kid. That was the latest and greatest thing. They they powered that thing with like eighty thousand solar panels on the roof. And that powered the ride vehicles, and and uh, those those dinosaurs were just the the most amazing thing. And I, I think that first trip that I went, I think we had two days at Magic Kingdom and two days at Epcot. So the uh, the second day back at Epcot, the thing I wanted to do most was the the um, uh, the dinosaurs, and it was broken down, or they were having trouble with it the second day. So I didn't get to ride it again uh, again the second day, but I think it used to break down early on. Uh, when it was new, it, it, it just had a lot of issues and or they used to say that it had trouble when it was cloudy or whatever. I don't know if that's if that's true or not, but mm-hmm. but that was just the uh, the thing to do. I, I'm still fond of the Ellen version, but but because uh, the, the dinosaur part's the same, but but back in the day that was you'd never seen anything like that for sure. right. Bob. Yeah, that uh, I agree that uh, that was a real. One of one of the highlights uh, of Epcot was Universe of Energy too, and um, the uh, the moving essentially it was a moving theater. Mm-hmm. Still is a moving theater, but that uh, that was my. Uh, I think that that's what shocked me the first time I rode that was, uh, you know, you, you sat 
in these chairs, uh, you got a presentation, and they, they turned, you know, in a circular motion. So I thought, okay, well, that's a pretty cool concept. And then when the uh, curtains pull back and all of a sudden you feel yourself moving, I thought, wow, this whole thing moves. <laughs> and uh, takes you back into the prehistoric view of Earth, of course, with the dinosaurs and uh, uh, all the effects that surrounded that. So, yeah, very uh, uh, very, very cool experience. I, I saw a picture last time we were down there, maybe a couple times ago, where they showed uh, what the attraction was going to originally look like. Uh, I'm sure they cut it down for budgetary reasons. But uh, when you were in the first presentation, there was going to be what looked like a uh, a control room, almost like mission control, surrounding the entire, uh, almost the entire half of the uh, theater. And I think they're going to actually have real people working there to make it look like they were controlling. Hmm. You know, but I'm sure the budget people looked at that and said, "We can't have full-time people <laughs> pushing right. meaningless buttons." You know. <laughs> so. I remember when there was people in the tiki room, in the enchanted tiki room. That's been a long time since then. Right. Contrast the Epcot you remember uh, from 1982 to the 90s today. Um, your feelings, you feel remorse that we're losing some of the wonderment there, or do you uh, uh, you like them each? They're just different. Bob, we'll start with you. Um, I still love Epcot, no doubt about it, but I do have a lot of nostalgic um thoughts and memories of, of the way it was. I, I think, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I understand the need to update things, but I, I thought the theme probably was better originally. They really, they really focused on a, uh, you know, it was future world. So the whole theme was, uh, towards the future and innovation and, and some of the exciting things ahead for, for mankind. And, uh, even though I do love Epcot, it's, they seem to have gotten away from that theme. Mm. Yep. How about you, Josh? I agree. I, I love I love both Epcots, um, but uh, they're they're just very they're two very different experiences. Um, and I guess you know you kind of set yourself up for that. I don't want to call it a failure, but you set yourself up for that situation when you're going to build a a theme park that's about future and and wonderment and and such because um, then you're forced to to have to keep changing things. So um, or else it's not going to be the future. But uh, that that need to update forces them to to kind of look at some other uh, other avenues for attractions, and then sadly the uh, you know just from a dollar and cent standpoint of their attendance numbers versus you know Universal Studios and the bigger thrill attractions there for teenagers that they they've kind of used Epcot to compete on that realm. Yeah, I struggle there because it's it's almost like Disney's succumbing to to other ways but i do think walt would have been a little disappointed especially given we spoke about this on our last episode what his original plans were and uh so anyway it's been uh very fun to take this tour of the old future world park of epcot and uh, appreciate you guys coming uh josh we really appreciate having you on the show thanks for having me yeah it was fun Join us on our next episode when we interview Robert and Andrew from Daps Magic and talk about Epcot today and contrast it with the Epcot originally planned by Walt Disney. <laughs>